BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everybody. We are back on the Dubs Talk podcast with Warriors insider Monty Poole. I'm Kareth Burke. We are, as always, sponsored by Wendy's and Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Cheeseburger is back. Dive into a bite packed with warm, savory beer cheese, applewood smoked bacon, crispy fried onions, and hot, juicy beef, all perfectly paired with a Dr. Pepper at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time. On the podcast, we have a few pieces of news, a little bit of Wiseman, a little bit of Andre, and then Jordan Poole spoke at practice. So we'll discuss uh, Poole talking about the changes that he's feeling in the second units. And then Monty Poole asked Jordan Poole about the carries and travels that the referees seem to be calling against the Warriors a little more conspiracy here. All right, we'll delve into that. But first, all right. The Wiseman news. Okay, so he was uh, assigned to the G League on November 15th. He's played five games with the Santa Cruz Warriors so far, and there's a back-to-back in Stockton this weekend, Friday and Saturday. So we heard Steve Kerr talk a little bit about Wiseman's progress report, and Kerr explained what Wiseman is down there to work on. Take a listen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just basic. We're just talking about basic coverages and and getting uh, reps and you know pick and roll and um, you know weak side help, um, boxing out all the all the basic stuff that um, he just needs to see and feel over and over again. Um, that's the, the opportunity that he's getting is just um, to put those reps on top of each other to keep stacking them. Um, which all young players need. So it's it's all been um, very healthy and productive. And, um, you know, he's got – they've got a back-to-back games in Stockton tomorrow and uh, Saturday. So – and then we'll f- kind of figure it out from there. All right. So the question is for Wiseman, when he's ready to come back. And the update from Kerr was he'll play those two games this weekend and then they'll reassess. Well, sometime Wiseman needs to come back from the G League. What happens when he does? They have to fold him into the second unit. It's a second unit that's playing much better. How are they going to do this, Monty? They're in no rush. I'll put it that way, first of all. They're in no rush. Um, as long as the second unit is playing as, as it has been lately, which is really pretty, you know, pretty good, uh, they don't want to mess with that. And so that is why you know, even Wiseman can play two games this weekend in Stockton and may play some more games. I would say likely to play some more games at the G League level because uh, right now there really is no place for him. You know, much like Steve Kerr said about Moses Moody, it's a minutes crunch right now. Uh, The second unit is playing well without James Wiseman. And Wiseman's play was one of the reasons, not the, but one of the reasons that the second unit was having such trouble early in the season. Mm -hmm. He wasn't very good. And so now they've, they've got it together. And so now that they're playing well, you don't, okay, now let's put James back out there because where's he going to go? Um, you know, do you place him out there? Do you put him out there instead of Kaminga? You know, Not right now. No, you don't. Yeah. 
you put him out there instead of Anthony Lamb, who is the glue of that unit, I think, at this stage, you know, just does the dirty work. Do you put him ahead of Jordan? Do you put him ahead of Don? There's no place for him to go. So uh, if you're the Warriors, you got to be thinking, let's just see what James can do at the G League, at the G League level, excuse me, and see if he could put together a run of three or four games where he kind of jumps off the page. And that hasn't happened yet. He's had moments that jump out, but he hasn't had three or four games where, where you say, okay, James had 23 and 14 or, or you know, 27 and, and, and six, 16. You want him to show, you want to see him defend and, and rebound, but the scoring can be, it's good too. If he has a game where he has 20 points or 18 points and 15 rebounds, you know, three or four blocks, uh, plays good solid defense and doesn't get dominated by the other team's big man, that's a plus. That's 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 progress. And so uh, he, the Warriors want to see that from him. I don't know. At this point, there are some people in the front office that I think are like thinking they don't know. They don't know what he'll be able to give them, not just this year, but beyond. Yeah. There's still some mystery there. And so they just want to see him put together a bunch of games where you say, OK, this is what we think he can be. And right now it's not there yet. So there's no urgency at all to bringing James back. Well, I understand that there's no urgency. Let's say after the two back-to-back games this weekend, the Warriors think, okay, he still needs to be down there. We don't know how he fits in the second unit. Why not give him more time in the G League? The next games would be December 9th and 11th. When they assigned Wiseman to the G League November 15th, if they keep extending him there, a month in the G League for your number two pick, I don't know if anybody anticipated that. I, I really don't think the Warriors went into the season thinking that would be the plan. Um, Wiseman missed all of last season, his his second year, um, recovering from his knee injury. So here we are in year three. He's only played 50 NBA games. The unfortunate situation appears to be that James Wiseman's timeline is not fitting with the Warriors' timeline. They really thought that he could be ready this season to be a lob threat, to be a rim protector, to be a more important piece in what they're trying to do. And unfortunately, that's not played out because he just needs more time and development. Are the Warriors starting to think potentially of some big picture things regarding James's fit? They are, they, they have been. Uh, and as the long as this goes on, there's, there's more thought given to that, you know? Um, because let's face it, the reason why they said, James, we want you to focus on defense is because that is what the Warriors big men specialize in. Mm -hmm. That's their thing. You know, they don't have any a Joel Embiid going out there getting 35 or, or 59 or whatever, you know, their big men, you know, give eight, 10, 12 points, maybe, you know, and get re and they rebound, they defend, they communicate, they screen, they do all that stuff. And that goes back to Andrew Bogut, mm -hmm. you know, from Bogut to Zaza, David West. I mean, David West could score, but he was a pick and pop guy. But but um, primarily Zaza, Andrew Bogut, Looney, those three guys have been the primary big men of the Warriors championship teams. And what do they have in common? They play, they do dirty work. <laughs> they do dirty work uh, and they defend, they defend. Uh, and so James needs to do that because his, his game offensively is well ahead of his defensive game, but that's not what the Warriors need. You know, they, they don't need to. So that's the thing that he has to understand. He's got a nice shot. I, I, on this Warriors team, James is a better power forward than he is a center. 
Yeah. He, he really is. His skill set is better suited to that because he can shoot. He can he can shoot. He can score. But uh, they want him to focus on defense because that's what they need. That's what they need. And much like Jonathan Kaminga, you know, they told him defend, run the floor, and rebound. And that's what he's doing. And his minutes he's, are ticking up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But you know, it wasn't always that way. You know, Jay came yeah. to go out there, and so it took some time for him to process that. And now he's applying that. And you see it happening and you say, okay, this is the JK that they wanted. Now, offense can come with that. He's going to get some points, but that's not what they wanted him going out there doing. Don't go on the floor and get into your bag. That's not, <laughs> that's not what we want you to do. Not yet. But, not yet. Yeah. I mean, that can come. But right now, here's what we need, Jay, um, JK. And same thing with Wiseman. So except for Jonathan has come a long way this season, even this season from the first month, first week. So uh james i don't know if he'll get there i think he can get there i don't know when and neither do they yeah. and that's what they need to see yeah. so yeah. it's just one of those things where uh as long as the second unit is playing well uh he's gonna stay there when the season started they were hoping they were hoping that he would play so well that maybe he would force a chance to be a starter yeah that clearly is not happening and so that's where they are yeah, there are many ways in which Loon is an Iron Man. Um, do you remember on Dubs Talk, uh, our pod Dubs Talk Live, our, our television show, I was asking you during a commercial break, who was the last mean center the Warriors had? And you can say like, well, okay, well, Draymond plays center, but I'm talking about a, a, a true center, a big man. And um, Jason Dumas at Cron reminded me, the last one wasn't Bogut. He definitely is oh. one. But what about Boogie? We forgot about Boogie. Well, Boogie's... Well, I think, okay, yeah, but Boogie's defense was different. But he you was know, still he, mean. He was yeah. still, yeah. Yeah, but Boogie <laughs> wasn't a dirty work guy. That He was more of an off, he, was, he could shoot it, he could score. Yeah. And the, the thing he did best on defense is draw charge, charges, which is weird for a big man. Yeah. He excelled at that, you know. But when you, the, the mean, when I think mean, I think about Zaza, who, a guy who uh, uses his body that's 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 his that's what kept kept him in the league is using his body doing the dirty work and banging on people mm -hmm. and Bogut who specialized in it you know, oh, he, Bogut, he yeah. it, you know? Yeah. who has so, accolades yeah, now like who's trained people in that same yeah, yeah exactly I mean Boogie had some of that in him but he wasn't the defensive technician the other two guys were yeah and yeah. so you want a guy who can play rugged basketball but also apply some of the finer nuances of defense and Boogie could do some of that, but not yeah. to the degree that Zaza and, and Bogut could. And so, but but like I said, I mean, he could be, he was, in terms of drawing charges, he was one of the best guys, and not just on the team, in the league. He yeah. did that very well, which is an unusual trait for a guy who was six foot 10, weighs 270 pounds, but yeah. he did it well. Yeah, all I'm saying is I wouldn't want to be on the other end of a DeMarcus Cousins stare down. Uh, right um, now, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right now, yeah. I think James Wiseman would just kind of smile at you. <laughs> He's a good yeah. kid with a heart of gold. Yeah, right. but you, uh, you can be you can be a good guy, nice guy, polite guy. Yeah, but show some edge on the court. That's right. 94 feet. You got to be a different man. All right. Um, Andre Iguodala. A little bit of news on him. Steve Kerr said that he has been practicing but he is still not scrimmage. So not had that, you know, contact kind of scrimmage. There is something that Steve Kerr said today 
uh, about waiting for Andre to be ready in the second half of the season. And previous times, and I, I could just be looking at the forest through the trees here, but I thought I heard a difference. In previous comments, he sort of caught himself saying, second half of the season he's like oh no no he didn't want to put a, a time stamp on it right. today he just kind of said we want him ready for the second half of the season so i'm feeling a lot better now about a previous podcast conversation where we wondered is andre even going to play in 2022 i'm not certain he is and i actually took it kind of literally if you were to look at the second half of the season that takes you to about january 10th yeah, okay that's january yeah yeah, that's that's still a long ways away with no Andre. And as you look at the roster and how it's constructed, where the 15th roster spot is still open, Andre isn't playing. Um, you've got James Wiseman spending so much time in the G League. Moses Moody might be a candidate for the G League, but I don't think they could send him down there yet. So he's just kind of four in limbo. Four guys down there then with Ryan Rollins and yeah. Patrick Baldwin Jr. That so. would be four players in the G League. Yeah. I just... What, what? <laughs> I don't know if I had a, a question there. It's just kind of like an observation of, I, I, there are some things that I, I don't think the Warriors knew would play out this way this season. Now with Andre, they had a long talk about what he could give them this season, what it would mean for his body if he came back. I mean, there's an understanding that Andre would not play that much because he didn't play that much last season, 31 regular season games. Right. Um, but... <sighs> Did you wonder, or am I just kind of nuts? I thought they would get a little bit more from Andre this season, and maybe what they're getting is happening behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I think, you know, th we knew that he wasn't going to play early uh, because, you know, he didn't even know he's going to play until, you know, a week before the camp opened, if that. So, um, but I, I thought, you know, give him six weeks or so, which is pretty close now. That's like in the next few days, that'll be six weeks. Um, that, I thought he would probably get into some action at that point. Now, if the hip issue was still an issue, which is what they list him as, injury management on the hip, um, then maybe, you know, maybe it's a few more weeks. But I, my thinking was that you know, it wasn't like he's going to come back in the second half and play every game. No. You know, I just thought he would play maybe, you know, 40 to 50 games over the course of the season, you know, and, would, and that it would start maybe a month after the season started. Mm -hmm. Well, now, you know, we were well past that point and he has, there's no sign and he hasn't even been in full contact scrimmages. And that there know? aren't many scrimmages to yeah. begin with. So when yeah. we have that? Yeah, and so he hasn't done any of that. So uh, and until he does that, there's no chance he'll get on the court in an NBA game. So if you listen to Steve, I think it, 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 it maybe it's safe to, to assume that you probably won't see him until after the holidays. Um, which again, it, there's no urgency there for the Warriors because they don't, they need him. They need what he can give them on the court in the back half of the season and just a dash of that in the postseason. You don't want to put Andre out there for 20 minutes in the postseason. You know, he'll be 39 years old yeah. in, next month. And, you know, I don't, many people saw the video of Udonis Haslam trying to guard Trying to guard Jason Tatum. I was it just was thinking ugly. of that. It was ugly, you know, and Udonis is in great physical shape and all these things, but that was unfair, you know, to, he, to see him out there trying to defend Jason Tatum and Tatum looked at him like, dude, I'm sorry, man. I know you're an OG, but I'm sorry, you know. I gotta smoke you, yeah. Yeah, and he did. And so, um, you know, with Andre, you know, I don't know, I'm not saying that that would happen, but I'm saying that 
they don't want him out there until he can be a, a positive contributor. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not Andre, go shut down James Harden. No, it's not there, yeah. that's not happening. But you might get, okay, Andre, we need like four or five minutes, settle the unit down and just, you know, get some guys moving, talk to these guys and remind them that, you know, playing a little defense could be helpful, <laughs> you know, and that kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah, I thought that would be sort of an intermittent case over the course of the season, beginning about Thanksgiving. Yeah, but We're past that. So we'll see where it happens. And I think when he does come back, whether it's July or whether it's January or whatever it is, even then, again, if, if he comes back and there's like, you know, say there's 40 games on the schedule, if he can play 30, that would be fine. Mm-hmm. I'll Oops, take sorry. that and they will day. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't tell if you were done with that thought there. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I think, but yeah, just it's hard to predict what, what he's going to give them, yeah. but you know he's not going to be playing every, it's not just a case of Andre won't play back-to-backs. It's a case of Andre won't play even some games when they're that are, that are not back to backs yeah. and he won't be playing 25 minutes a night either. You know, yeah. you want him out there for maybe 12 to 15 minutes. Uh, and because you don't want to wait until March or April, mm-hmm. you know, you want to see him out there in game action before that, because game speed is different from practice speed, scrimmage speed, all different. You want to get him out there for at least a good two, three solid months of game experience before he gets into the postseason, which means, that's about mid-January. Yeah. Well, and Andre's on the injury report for that hip management. But remember last year, he told us some of the things that he was dealing with physically, a bulging yep. disc, some nerve damage. So it's a whole constellation of things as he tries to get his body and conditioning ready for the season. You know, when we were thinking about the changes in the second unit, putting Draymond in there and the organization that he brings, we've been talking about that. That's what I think the Warriors were hoping that Andre could bring too. There's just sort of a pause on that right now. Life is uncertain. It's okay to feel stressed, anxious, worried, or frustrated. CalHOPE can help. Access CalHOPE's free and secure mental health resources. Call 833-317-4673 or live chat at calhope.org. Your winning career starts at Grayton Resort and Casino. Join a great team today with amazing health benefits, working in a fun and fast-paced environment. Now hiring table game dealers, chefs, beverage servers, housekeeping, and more. Full-time and part-time positions are available. Come for the excitement. Stay for the great pay, flexible scheduling, and 401k matching. Apply now and start your winning career today. Visit GreatonResortCasino.com for details. We want to remind our listeners that all Warriors games on NBC Sports Bay Area are streamed live on the My Teams app for mobile or tablet. Stream the Warriors on the go, brought to you by our NorCal Honda dealers. And I want to tell you about our sister podcast. Hear from 49ers players and alumni on the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast. It's the team's only player-focused podcast. So each episode, team reporter Lindsay Polaris and players will discuss the upcoming game week and answer fan-submitted questions. All right, when it comes to that second unit, We've seen a lot of changes for the better. We've seen Draymond in that unit and then also helped out by Dante DiVincenzo. Jordan Poole is starting to look like a different man. He can play off the ball a little bit more. He doesn't have defenses swarming him because the Warriors have more options on the floor. The ball movement is moving, uh, is going really well. And we had a chance to talk to Jordan Poole at practice to hear him describe in his own words what adding Draymond Green to that second unit has done for him. He's another facilitator out there. I think early on in the season, um, when I was out there kind of being a primary playmaker, um, that's how I was being guarded. 
So now being able to have another playmaker in there um, who also can set screens and get people open makes it, um, it opens the floor a lot more, more space. Um, obviously they're gonna sag off of Draymond a little bit. So he uses that to his advantage by getting us open with screens. And um, he also knows how to play. So hitting him in the pocket or um, having him make whatever decisions he can make on the backside is huge for our second unit because we got guys now who got chemistry, we know how to play and you know everybody's um, locked in and playing their role. It seems all good. It seems like Jordan is happy that he doesn't have to be the, the primary you know playmaker for the team. Draymond is exceptional at that, and he's really helped everybody in that second unit. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Jordan is is okay with being a playmaker, but right now he sees what's happening, and he sees the unit is playing very well. This is what the Warriors need from their second unit, and so he's comfortable with what he's doing. You know, he's a, like he says, he's a scorer. He can playmake, but he's a scorer. And being out there with Draymond doesn't mean because he's not playing his his minutes don't mirror Draymond's. You know, they start off the quarters in the second and fourth with Draymond, but around four or five minutes in, Draymond comes off, and Jordan stays out there for a little while. Yeah. And so at that point, Jordan shifts over a little bit and becomes a little bit more of a ball handler. But he's got Dante out there with him too, who yeah. can also do that. So yeah. I we think just, the fact that you, you yeah, we just saw the game. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Good. No, I'm going to say you got you got multiple ball handlers and Draymond, when he goes out, you still have Dante and, and Jordan. So I think Jordan just feels freer uh, to be able to go out there and play, as he likes to say, play his game, you know, <laughs> and whether it be scoring, rebounding, penetrating, shooting threes. His threes aren't falling yet, at least on a consistent basis, but he's still being effective on offense. He had nine assists in Dallas, you know, didn't want that's much of what a I score. was going to bring up. Yeah, yeah that's what so I was much of a score. But he can play. He's a really good passer. He's a really good passer. Some of his passes are so good, his teammates aren't ready for them, you know. But <laughs> as they learn to play with him, I think that'll get better. Some of those passes that he throws to somebody who isn't ready will become layups instead of turnovers. Mm -hmm. That's not on him. He's doing his job getting the ball to a guy in position to score. So yeah. as that goes on, that'll get better too. But right now, Jordan is in a great spot in terms of mentally. He's able to go out there. He knows what's wanted from him. He knows what he can do. All he has to do is defend a little bit, and he'll stay out there for 25, 30 minutes a night. All right, defend a little bit. How would you rate his defense so far this season? Um, at times, good. At times, not so good at all. <laughs> uh, you know, most of it is a matter of, of um, just being focused. You know, when he focuses on it and, and is intent about it, you know, when he, he does pretty good, you know, but it just seems sometimes that almost like he forgets to play defense sometimes, like he forgets that's a part of the game, <laughs> you know, and there are moments when you're like, oh, Jordan didn't even bother to try and stop that play, you know, or didn't get back on defense. It happens less than it did a month ago. So the message is clear, Jordan, we need you to pay, you know, at least put up some defense. We don't need you to become you know, we don't expect you to go out there and become the guy who's going to stop somebody, shut down this guy, shut, no. Just effort equals success with Jordan because his athleticism, his length, and, and his shiftiness, his quickness, well, if he's, play, if he's working hard on defense, it'll be effective. I don't mean just steals. He's going to get those. Mm -hmm. But just do enough to where guys know you're there. As Ron Adams likes to say, make them feel you. Yeah. And, and, and that's what he does sometimes. But sometimes he, yeah, he just kind of gets lost in the offense and 
forgets that defense is kind of a part of the game too. There you go. All right. There was another topic that Jordan talked about. Monty, I love that you brought this up. First question of practice today uh, was about some of the calls that the Warriors are getting. Jordan has been on the other end of those carrying calls. Um, the Warriors got a bunch of traveling calls against the Mavericks too. So here's Jordan Poole describing those calls and then take a listen to Monty Poole's follow-up. You know, it happens really fast in the game. You can obviously slow it down and um, rewind it and catch the violations if they're there. Um, I mean, this is their jobs. They get paid to do this. They may miss calls. They may not. Um, I think we need to be better as a team, obviously, and uh, trying to be more fundamental. But I mean, if this is the direction that they're going in, and it's not much we really can do about it. Is there something to be gained from like talking to referees early in a game? just to get a feel for what they call it? Do you study them in advance, any of that stuff? No, it does not matter. They're they either going to call it or not. I mean, you can go over there, plead your case as much as you want, but they kind of got like a mind of their own. They kind of like do their own thing. So no matter what you say, how polite or impolite you come and talk to them, they kind of got their own agenda. Fans also might be wondering if it feels like the referees have an agenda. And anytime we talk about the referees, I do want to be, this is where I get very gentle. And I just say like, it's, it's, it's going to be imperfect, whether you think your team is getting too many calls or not enough calls. But when you see a few of the how do you say video montages lately? Um, you retweeted one. It was from a guy named Dev in the lab. Okay. He calls himself the number one social media snitch, <laughs> which is a funny <laughs> thing. I like that though. Yeah. But what he's compiling is he's looking at the tape. Okay. The same things that the yeah. referees can yeah. see happening right in front of him. Sometimes the referees are right there. So this guy, Dev, made, you know, a little reel of Luca carrying and traveling. He made one of Giannis carrying and traveling. And then the question pops up, well, how come it seems, I mean, this is all, a lot of it is perception too. It feels like the Warriors are not getting those calls. Where uh -huh. is the consistency? That's what fans want, consistency in the calls. And, and the teams want it too. I mean, Steve Kerr loves a travel call, right? He mm -hmm. wants more of those, but then yeah, yeah. they happen to his team. And it's like, ah, oh, crap, not like that. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. so what do you think about some of these video reels and, and the inconsistency in, in what's being called right now on the floor? Well, yeah, I mean, I, Dev also will point out that Steph does it sometimes, you know, I mean, it, yeah. But I think when you see the, the, the video of Luca, it's like so blatant, you know, it's like he's doing this with the ball and frequently. And then the one, I mean, you know, he routinely shoves off and some guys get called for that and some guys don't, but Luca's 6'7", 230. When he shoves off, you know, one, on one shove off, he had, he sent Steph flying, mm -hmm. no call. <laughs> it's like, so we all say that that Steph doesn't get the superstar whistle. He never really has. Uh, and Why? I, I thought, yeah, I thought maybe there would become a point in time when he would. Um, maybe two, three years ago, I thought it would. Okay, you know, he'll start getting it, and he still doesn't get it. And, and he doesn't. He's not one of those guys who lobbies hard or one of those guys who gets a bunch of technical fouls because he's beefing with the refs. Every now and then, he will go over to a ref and or he will bark a little bit. Yeah, he takes a, the, the mouthpiece yeah. out, he leans yeah. in a little bit, he kind of gives right. him a WTF. Yeah. Yes. 
but he's not a habitual offender like Luca is. Yeah. Luca spends half the game sometimes lobbying with referees and looking at referees and doing this. And so next thing you know, Luca's shooting 10, 12, 14 free throws in a game, 15 against the Warriors, you know. And so, um, you know, there's there's a, a subgroup of, of Warrior fans who, who think that Steph doesn't get the whistle because of what goes back to the Marat Kogut thing a few years ago in Minnesota, where, you know, he called out the referee by name, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think that's it because he wasn't getting the whistle before that either. Okay. Um, but I just, you know, yeah. It, to me, if the if the refs are consistent, then call on on everybody. If nobody, if how many superstars do you, do you decide get the whistle? You know, I mean, we know I mean, Jordan always got it. Wouldn't the NBA be invested in protecting their superstars? I mean, if Steph Curry gets Ooh. injured, you know that that's not fun for anybody. You would think, you, would you think. know, yeah. But right now, it's Giannis getting free getting the calls, and it's Luca getting the calls. And who goes to the line? Giannis and Luca getting eight, 10, 12 easy points each night going to the line. Yeah. And so, and, and Steph, the, the irony is that Steph is quote unquote, the little guy who gets shoved around a lot. Mm-hmm. And Luca is six, seven, two thirty. Giannis is six, 10, you know, two forty or whatever. So it's, it's, if you're Steph, you, you gotta be a little bit frustrated by it, but he doesn't show, show that very often. Uh, and the other part about this is he still attacks the paint. You know, he's not afraid to go in there into the paint and be effective in, in the paint. Yeah. And a lot of times he'll go in, he'll get he'll get the bucket, he'll get knocked around, and there'll be no call. Yeah. I mean, there are times when it looks like he's just not expecting a call, so he just plays on because yeah. he doesn't, he so rarely gets it. So yeah. right. if you're Jordan and you see Lucas doing, carrying the ball five and six and seven times in a game, and it's like, dude, I mean, yeah. come on, really? Me? Yeah, yeah. I'm Jordan. Oh, I get it. I haven't earned my stripes yet. Is that it? What about Steph? Hasn't he earned his? So Maybe in year 15, Steph will get that whistle. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he's still building up to? I yeah. thought Jordan gave you the best answer he could, but you could tell that there was a lot more uh, oh, yeah. heat behind his eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get it. That's, it's frustrating when, when you get called for something that you see other guys do routinely. Not occasionally, routinely. routinely. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's got to be maddening. Yeah, well, everybody sees those clips of Luca getting the call and then kind of like smiling to himself, like, oh, I got it. I got away with that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. always video evidence. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Monty, uh, we've got a back to back coming up. We've got the Bulls game coming up, and then we'll be back here on Dubstock sooner than we know. So thanks for joining oh, yeah. us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.